0: Danielle Hamilton is a blood sugar specialist who focuses on helping sugar cravers regain your energy, lose fat mass, and balance their hormones without struggling. During this podcast, she joins us to talk about all the benefits that come with stabilizing your blood sugar levels. We talk about the short and long-term side effects of insulin spikes, the misconception of fats, and several tips to start stabilizing your blood sugar levels today. Whether you struggle with energy levels, fat burning, unbalanced hormones, unknown headaches or all of the above, keep listening for reasons why this is happening to you and how to solve them. Yeah, hi. 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 How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. Can you hear me properly? Yeah, I can hear you great. Okay, wonderful. I was introducing a little bit about you and also telling people how your content on Instagram is super informative, but also your humor is just like amazing. <laughs> I <laughs> love you. the way that you portray all the information out there. So yeah. Oh, thank um, you. I thought you might have met like the
1: cats and you know, my cat butt in, <laughs> in my face. The other day, but, okay, we're talking oh, about the memes. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So I, I mean, I did mention that you're a blood sugar specialist, of course, but I think it would be best if you can introduce yourself, tell us a little bit what you do and what exactly is uh, the blood sugar mastery
1: yeah so um i my name is danny hamilton i'm a nutritional therapy practitioner and i became interested in blood sugar when i realized that my blood sugar issues and insulin resistance were at the root of my pcos which is polycystic ovarian syndrome i had really bad pms and pmdd so i had a lot of hormonal issues that i was trying to treat and I just couldn't make a dent in them and then finally I realized that my blood sugar was a problem and I didn't know what those signs were I just I knew I wasn't diabetic but so I didn't think I had to pay attention to blood sugar but diabetes is not an on and off switch it's not like oh you have it or you don't it's this spectrum and it starts with perfect blood sugar and then it starts to become a little bit more dysregulated and then um, by the time it starts getting to certain spots, people might be having blood sugar crashes all the time. Their blood sugar might be creeping up and their doctor okay. might label them pre-diabetic or diabetic, but it's all part of this same spectrum. So- That being said, we can also, anywhere we are on that spectrum, we can begin reversing it and we can go Mm -hmm. towards that optimal level. And that's what I like to uh, teach people to do on my Instagram page and my Blood Sugar Mastery program on my podcast, Unlock the Sugar Shackles, because I was able to do that for myself and it brought me so much (laughs) freedom, so much better health. And I know we're going to go into that more, but yeah, that's my story.
0: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I think that a lot of people don't understand that even if you don't have diabetes or even if you don't have pre-diabetes, or, or any, any sort of um, unstable blood sugar in that sense, you can always have sugar spikes. And actually, I'm sure that there are so many people out there that have all these blood, blood sugar spikes that don't even know about it. And they have all these, they they, they call them maybe like hormonal imbalances or like, oh, now I'm feeling bad or now I'm feeling good. And they are not sure what it is. Uh, But yeah, definitely let's dive into that. So um, first I would like to maybe start explaining how glucose works and uh, kind of to explain people uh, if you can explain to to people who don't know what exactly is the process of having uh, blood sugar spikes and uh, therefore insulin spikes.
1: Yeah, perfect. So blood sugar and insulin, they go hand in hand. So when we eat something with carbohydrates and even things with protein, it starts to, we digest that sugar and we digest those carbohydrates and the sugar goes into our bloodstream. Our bloodstream likes to have about just one teaspoon of sugar in the blood at all times. It likes to have a small amount there, not too much, not too little. And that's that Goldilocks sweet spot, this spot where we want to have just enough So when we eat something with a lot of carbohydrates or with with protein, the amount of sugar in our blood starts to go up. So the the, uh, pancreas starts to secrete this hormone called insulin, and insulin's job is to take that sugar and put it into the cells of the body, so then the cells of the body, like into the muscles, into the heart, into the brain, into the liver, so that we can make energy with that sugar. So it's Mm -hmm. not doing us that much good in our blood, but what starts to happen is over time, we get, if we spike our blood sugar really high, so we have a lot of carbohydrates at one time or something like that, um, and our blood sugar goes very high, we also get a really high spike of insulin. So this comes with a bunch of symptoms which we can go into after, but um, when we get this spike of insulin, if we keep spiking it over and over and over again, that leads us to not feeling good. So we can feel bad with just one blood sugar spike, and Mm -hmm. then we're gonna feel collectively worse after multiple blood sugar spikes. We don't want to be spiking our blood sugar all the time because this is what starts our direction this way on that blood sugar, Mm -hmm. on a diabetes spectrum that we were talking about earlier. So um, the more often we spike our blood sugar, the higher our levels of insulin go, because insulin doesn't come down as fast as blood sugar. So it starts to get elevated over time. And so we need more and more and more insulin to do Mm -hmm. the job of putting the sugar into the cells of the body. And insulin can be, the level of insulin can be rising for 20 years before we see a change in blood sugar. So it's something very important to also pay attention to because you might feel like, my blood sugar is perfect. My doctor says my blood sugar is perfect. But Mm -hmm. what I recommend people to do is to really look at those symptoms, maybe get Mm -hmm. a fasting insulin test, test their blood sugar. So there's a lot of ways to figure out what's happening with you, but starting to really connect to how you feel after your meals is really, really important. Mm
0: -hmm. Is there a way way that people can maybe... Um, identify any of these symptoms. Are there short-term versus long-term symptoms of having yes. insulin spikes?
1: Yes. So the short-term symptoms of blood sugar spikes and having these insulin spikes, and sometimes we get such a big insulin spike that it puts away too much sugar, so our sugar goes down too low. And on on the way down, when the sugar is going down, or even on the way up, we can feel feel uh, like symptoms. Anywhere on that in in that area, like with our blood sugar. So mm-hmm. some of these common early first symptoms that we might experience would be a lot of things having to do with our brain. Um, so headaches, anxiety, depression, irritability, brain fog, weakness, tiredness, difficulty concentrating, dizziness, shakiness, um, heart palpitations, sweats, things like that so we Mm -hmm. get a lot of those symptoms and a lot of times those come with intense hunger and cravings so as our blood sugar is plummeting our body is thinking oh my goodness we are having an energy crisis because all our energy like it's going away all this blood sugar is going away so the body starts to freak out and the brain is like oh my goodness we need to get more energy so it's going to send you signals all those signals that feeling hangry to go Mm -hmm. get more food. And typically if we're having a really steep crash of the blood sugar, it's going to send us a message to go get carbohydrates and sugar. It's going to be like, go grab a coffee at Starbucks, go grab a muffin, go, you know, get a granola bar, get an energy mm-hmm. drink. It's not going to be like, you know what, you should make a beautiful ribeye steak with some, you know, butter and broccoli. It's not going to oh, tell you that.
0: Yeah. Right? <laughs> Sounds amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so does that yeah, make sense? I, I
0: think that's something that everybody, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were. Yeah. No, oh, okay. no, go ahead. That, that, I feel like that's something that we've all experienced at some point. At least when I was little, I remember that my, I was like, oh, no, I have a headache. I'm feeling super tired. And the reaction was, you need sugar. And of course, when we when we talk about sugars, uh, plural, we're talking about fructose and sucrose. But uh, at that point in age, that, that just meant like giving a cookie full of like artificial sugars and like really bad things for your body. Um, and that was like the quick solution to any issue regarding all the symptoms that you just mentioned right now. Uh, and I think that that's... I mean, it's changing, of course, and now people are learning a lot about this. So um, I'm just reading the questions. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I wanted
1: to talk also about those are the short-term symptoms. Those Mm -hmm. are those quick, immediate symptoms. And Mm -hmm. then as those progress over time, as we keep doing this, we start to have other symptoms. And we need to keep in mind that blood sugar and insulin affects every single cell, organ, and process in the body so that means that every cell has receptors for insulin and glucose so if there are imbalances in our blood sugar if these highs and lows if we don't have enough blood sugar if we have too much we have too much insulin these are all going to cause problems and can cause problems anywhere on our body so Mm
0: -hmm.
1: we can start with um issues, long, longer-term issues of this happening, we can just go from head to toe, and I'll just go really quick. So we talked about the headaches, but maybe eventually they become migraines. We know that Alzheimer's is being called type 3 diabetes. We know that um, diabetes is the leading cause of macular degeneration, which is an eye issue that leads to blindness. Uh, we know that the high blood blood sugar and insulin issues start to affect every single blood vessel in the body. And so it really affects those tiny, tiny blood vessels called capillaries. And we have a lot of those in our eyes and in our kidneys. So it really affects those areas when we have the, that high blood sugar over time. We know that sugar impacts our teeth, right? That's obvious. We It causes gum disease. Um, high blood sugar used to cause Um, these spikes used to give me acne, really, really bad acne. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, um, it can lead to blood sugar issues, can lead to other skin issues like eczema, and it can worsen things like Um, dermatitis, and you can start to get darkened skin folds on your neck and and different areas of your body. Um, With your heart, we know that insulin resistance is the leading cause of heart disease, high blood pressure, and um, strokes, cardiovascular issues, because it raises blood pressure, and also Mm -hmm. because lots of sugar depletes our minerals, and we need minerals. So one gram, one gram of, or one drop of glucose requires 56 grams of magnesium molecules, molecules. That's the word I'm looking for. So one molecule of sugar requires Mm -hmm. 56 molecules of magnesium to process. So if we're eating these foods from processed sources that don't come with the nutrients we need, then we're going to be depleting our body of these essential minerals. And calcium is a mineral that contracts muscles and then magnesium relaxes muscles. So if we think about the heart, we need the contracting and the relaxing, contracting and relaxing. So a lot of people develop what's called AFib or atrial fibrillation, where you get those irregular heartbeats when you Mm -hmm. have blood sugar issues. Um, We know that it causes issues in the gut. It starts to cause the overgrowth of unwanted bad bacteria. We know it causes fatty liver. We know it affects our adrenal glands. So those highs and lows start to dysregulate our cortisol levels from our adrenals. We already talked about the kidneys and then fertility. So PCOS, which I used to have, is the leading cause of infertility it affects about 10 to 20 percent of women and it is driven by insulin resistance for the most mm-hmm. part for the very vast majority of cases and mm-hmm. so it's affecting fertility blood sugar issues affect fertility in females but also in males um so if you look at just any organ and i know i probably missed some in there but um it just really affects every aspect of our being and then our energy right. levels, big time. So if you feel like your energy, you need food to keep your energy up. You know, you feel your energy going in these roller coaster. It's like mm-hmm. it crashes after lunch, it crashes after meals, or um, you need meals to get your energy up. You know that there's some sort of blood sugar issues uh, happening.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 crazy, really, how much it affects the, every part of the body. Basically, I mean, it's super interesting. Also, that some people really do struggle to live healthy a healthy lifestyle uh, with so much information that is out there and everybody just tries, of course, whatever works for them because not, not everything works for everybody. Uh, but I think that a lot of people struggle with that and they consider that they're eating healthy, but maybe they are having a glucose surplus, meaning that that is getting stored still, like that amount of glucose excess that your body cannot process, cannot digest. It just stores it into fat and people keep thinking, why am I still feeling bad if I'm eating healthy, if I'm eating vegetables, if I'm eating um, balanced? Right, yeah. yeah, for example. And uh, not combining it with the proper foods.
1: Yeah, Yeah. So, can I just say one thing? That there's there are so many healthy foods, exactly as to what you were saying, that mm-hmm. so many people can think they're, you know, they're, they switch from white bread to whole wheat bread. They're eating, you know, um, organic granola bars instead of eating a candy bar. They're eating... Brown rice instead of white rice. They're eating, um, you know, whole grain crackers. They're they're eating smoothies and acai bowls and and things that we think are healthy, but overall, the amount of carbohydrates that we're eating is probably not right for our bodies. And mm-hmm. that's the thing that carbohydrates. Even though some of these foods can be healthy, like you know, fruits and and sweet potatoes and you know things like that, they can be. They're not terrible foods but they might not be in the, the right quantities for us. And you were going to talk about balance in a second, but so many of these foods that are marketed as healthy and then other ones like oat milk and um, you know, just different things like that, that we think are healthy because that's what they're mm-hmm. telling us. They might not be terrible in terms of ingredients. Well, oat milk has vegetable oils in it. That's another conversation, but they do a number on our blood sugar. And so even if they're a healthy food, if we're not consuming them in the right balance or the right quantity for our own Mm -hmm. bodies, they're not going to be a good choice for us. So that's why I think a lot of people, they're like, I'm trying to do eat healthy and it's not working. You know, I'm trying so Mm -hmm. hard and it's not working. And that's sort of that missing piece that a lot of people don't realize is that how foods are affecting their blood sugar can really yeah. impact how you feel. So sorry for cutting right. you off. <laughs> um,
0: so yeah, no, it's uh, of course, I mean, I just read a question here and I think we can even dive into this question. It says, how many carbs per meal is recommended? Um, I would maybe, uh, of course you're, you're the expert, uh, but maybe this is something that of course changes for every person. A lot of times we, we worry a lot about uh, calories which is not everything, and micronutrients, which is specifically what sh- we should be looking at. Like you were saying, like combining that, to- that correct. Maybe I can say, oh yeah, the- throwing out a number there, uh, you shouldn't eat more than 30 grams of protein. It depends on the person, it depends on the gender, it depends on the size of the person and everything. Um, but if you throw a number out there, it's not going to be the same for everyone. So what would be kind of the suggestion that you would be, give people regarding how many carbohydrates or maybe how they can combine foods that, like you were saying before? Yeah,
1: so there, like you said, there is no magic number and this number is going to be different for everybody. So what I recommend is that you kind of take an inventory of how many carbohydrates you're eating in a day normally. So um, write down all your food, write down the amounts and then later in the day, after it's all done put it into a tracker if you do it during the day you're going to uh, like you're going to be like oh my gosh i'm having so many carbs i didn't realize and then you're going to have fewer you're going to have less later so oh just write everything down on paper transfer it to the tracker and just get an idea of how many carbohydrates you're eating um, anything over 100 is usually like a hundred or below is usually considered low carb, but I don't, I think still a hundred is quite a lot, but for some people, that's going to be a huge decrease from what they're eating. So what Mm -hmm. I recommend is to slowly and gradually decrease your carbohydrates over time Mm -hmm. so that you don't freak your body out. And so it's not that difficult. Um, Mm -hmm. That's one, that's one way to do it. Um, And the other thing is, getting a continuous glucose monitor, I know in Europe, you can get them over the counter, here in the, in the States, we can get them with certain companies, even if your doctor won't give you a prescription, you can work with these companies, they give you the prescription, you can get them. But even testing your blood sugar with a finger prick meter, that's where this bio-individuality comes in. We need to see how a food is affecting our blood sugar because it could be 20 grams of carbs from a sweet potato or it could be 20 grams of carbs from rice cakes and they are going to impact your blood sugar so differently. So that's Mm -hmm. where some of this testing comes in. And so we wanna make sure we're not eating some of those little strategies or hacks or um, just tips for having your blood sugar not spike so high. We never wanna eat our carbohydrates first or alone. So if we have just an apple That's not a good snack because that's going to cause a blood sugar spike and a crash because it's all carbohydrates. Yeah, there's a tiny bit of fiber in it, but that's not doing anything. So we always want to have some protein and some fibers or some, maybe some vegetables. When I say fiber, I kind of mean those like green leafy vegetables or above ground vegetables. So like cauliflower, mushrooms, tomatoes, Mm -hmm. things like that. So we get our fiber from those vegetables, um, have our meal be some veggies first. We can do fats and proteins, which are really, really important. Sorry, I have cat hair all over my face always. <laughs> um, and mm-hmm. we can have the, the fats and the proteins. And then we save our carbohydrates for less. And that makes mm-hmm. a huge difference. So we don't want to think about having a carb by itself, like a, a fruit by itself is not a good snack. I also don't recommend snacking. If you can help it, you want to eat that you know, if you need to have snacks, maybe try to put them right at the end of your meal because they're going Mm -hmm. to have less of an impact on your blood sugar that way. So those are some strategies to keep the blood sugar from spiking. You can also go mm-hmm. for a walk or do a workout after your meal. You can have your meal after a workout. So after a really hard workout, you've depleted your muscles of all the, the glycogen, which is stored sugar. So then when you eat a meal that has carbs, it kind of just refills right back into the muscle. So when we build muscle, which is so important for blood sugar and insulin, we provide more of a, like a sink or like a sponge that will suck up all that glucose and insulin mm-hmm. to take it out of our system. So that's really, really powerful is the more muscle you have, the better your blood sugar might be. So that's a really powerful tool. Um, Having some apple cider vinegar before the meal that can help with digestion, but also help to reduce the blood sugar spike. If you're here Mm -hmm. in the States or if you're in Sweden, um, there's a drink called Good Idea and that does the same thing. So it helps to reduce the blood sugar spikes from meals. So that's really powerful because- When we have those big spikes and crashes, that's what leads to all the cravings, all the imbalances, all the anxiety, and all that stuff. So um, those are some strategies. And again, there's no set number of carbs. Mm -hmm. So what you want to do is you want to eat in a way. And if you're testing your glucose, I don't have my. um, Maybe I I need to get my um, my calculator out because you guys use millimoles for testing blood sugar, and we don't. So what what you want to look for when you're eating a meal is that you don't want your blood sugar to rise above 30 milligrams per deciliter at a meal. And that's 1.6 millimoles. So you don't want it to go up more than 1.6. It's not like, Oh, 1.6 is terrible. And 1.5 is great. Like we want that slow gradual curve. Right. And so that's really important to look for. And then once you sort of get that, once you make sure that your blood sugar is not spiking more than 30, you'll feel really, really good. And mm-hmm. you might find that you do even better if your blood sugar doesn't go even up that high. Maybe it feels better if it stays, you know, just goes up a little bit like 10 or 20 points at a meal, which is like 1.6 times two, like 3.3 3 or something like that. So it, it, yeah. I, oh yeah. no, it would be less than that. It would be like,
0: like 3.2 or something, I believe.
1: No, it would be 1.6 um, divided by two. Hold on. Um, around like 0. 0.8 or 1.0 or something. So having just like a really oh, okay. small, yeah, like a small bump in millimoles. So yeah, we don't want it to go over 1.6 in millimoles. And then sometimes perhaps even better is keeping it even lower. Um, we want to keep our blood sugar really stable. And we do this by having those fibers, those healthy fats and the proteins at our meals. And then in the States that would be, um, we don't want it to go over 30 and then we want to keep it under that. So, um, yeah, that that's the magic number, the 1.6 or 30, Mm -hmm. um, depending on, (laughs) depending on where you live.
0: Yeah, okay. Wonderful. That's good to keep keep note of that. Yeah, definitely that that's that's a, a great thing that we have here in the in, in Europe that, that they can just sell those over the counter if, if there's anyone that like they they have those health go- those those yeah. are their health goals. That's another thing, right? Uh, what you were saying about bioindividuality. That um, everybody has uh, a different goal, a different health goal. Maybe there's people who actually want to gain weight, and by um, gaining, uh, when I'm saying uh, gain weight, I mean gaining muscle mass. Um, and there's a lot of people out out there that are like, oh no, I wanna, I wanna build up and I wanna uh, increase muscle mass, but they do it in a way that they just eat whatever. Uh, they want and they don't control uh, how much glucose they're putting into their body or they don't control how much uh, different macros they're putting into the body. And so they start seeing an increase in uh, size or volume, but it's not what they're looking for. So I think definitely if if, if um, gaining muscle mass is your goal or losing fat uh, mass is your goal, then definitely follow uh, uh, what Daniel was saying now. Um, anyone out there who's interested in changing uh, their their lifestyle. And another thing that I experienced throughout many years, and it's a very personal thing to me as well, is and you mentioned it a lot in your in your Instagram is the stress, right? Because for so many years, since I, I think since I was like 16 years old, I started counting calories, I started counting what I was eating. And then I would eat a salad and be starving like two hours later. But then I would eat a an apple, which was considered also to be healthy. And then again hungry again so i didn't understand and for so long we go thinking this idea that yes you have to be in a caloric deficit to be uh, to lose weight but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to like starve yourself so um and you talk a lot about cortisol so i was wondering if you can maybe dive a little bit into into that and how stress affects our losing slash gaining weight
1: Yeah. So having high cortisol will increase our blood glucose. And so um, that is the job of one of the jobs of cortisol is when we're stressed, the body wants to make more glucose so we can get up and run away. So it's giving us more energy so we can run away, we can fight, we can do whatever we need. But what is happening in the modern world is that there's no you know, saber tooth tiger that we're running away from. We're just sitting at our desk and we're like, oh, this email, I can't believe my boss is saying this, or I'm stuck in traffic, like how dare that guy cut me off. Like, and so we're having all this stress and we're just sitting. We're not using the, the glucose, so over time it can lead to elevated glucose levels. Um, Acute stressors you might see on a continuous glucose monitor or CGM, you might see a little spike. Uh, you mm-hmm. might see a big spike from stress, but the other thing it does is it really leads to insulin resistance over time as well. So it leads us high cortisol levels, cause us to gain belly fat and are, are very linked to insulin resistance. And we know that stress also opens up the lining of the gut. And so it's causing inflammation in the gut, which is going to cause us to hold on to weight more. Um, so it's this whole negative cascade, but it's the number one thing that I think people really underestimate when it comes to our blood sugar levels. For a lot of people, it causes these ele- this elevation in blood sugar levels, but there's also a lot of people, and especially I work with a lot of these people that their blood sugar, because their adrenals, their adrenal glands are so almost worn out, like they've done the thing where it's like, it's been high stress, high stress, high stress. And now they're so depleted that their, their adrenals can't keep their blood sugar up. So their blood sugar keeps crashing. And that's another problem that's sort of on this same spectrum of, you know, diabetes. The blood sugar just keeps crashing over time as well. And that's also, you know, not good. And it, it's really, really difficult for these people. So there's a lot of manifestations on it. Of course, we know it affects our sleep and our sleep really heavily impacts mm-hmm. our blood sugar and our blood sugar impacts our sleep. So they have, again, a bi-directional relationship, same with the adrenals and our, our cortisol. So there's that bi-directional relationship. If we're having mm-hmm. big spikes of blood sugar and crashes, that's really stressful to our adrenals. And then if we're stressed out because of something else external, that's going to impact our blood sugar. So they impact each other. And um, yeah, so it's, it's pretty wild.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, no, it's, uh, it's definitely a, a whole universe to, to learn about and to find out, but especially to understand how it works for you and your body and how you feel. I, I find it so interesting that, of course, the, the sleep and the, the stress, everything comes in together right the sleep the stress um counting uh the micronutrients if you will okay. exercising but even even if we can jump back into exercising um does it does it uh, you were saying that walking helps does it have to be something that needs to be done like right after or like right before you eat or is it something that for example uh uh powerlifting or weightlifting will help uh stabilize glucose better or worse or simply in a different way than walking or than running or than than doing different types of sports
1: yeah so what the way i think about it is that you can do some sort of activity movement exercise right after you eat when your blood sugar is sort of going up when you're you know the blood sugar is elevating in your blood you can use that sugar so that it really doesn't impact your blood sugar. So that's one way to get a stable glucose sort of meter, right? So that's how to stabilize your blood sugar. Apart from that, so if you do that right after your, your meal, or perhaps right before because like I said, your muscles are depleted from, with the sugar, so then the blood sugar doesn't really go up, it just sucks back into the muscles. So that's, those are ways to keep the blood sugar stable. But mm-hmm. if you if you do um, if you do powerlifting, you build muscles. You do some sort of resistance training, and you're building muscles. That is a way to improve your insulin sensitivity in your muscles, and to create more of a space for that glucose and insulin to go. So you'll have better glucose regulation over time. So it's more like that's sort of an investment for the future as opposed to like, this will help me right now. Because when you exercise, you might notice on your your glucose monitor, that your blood sugar does go up and that's okay because what's mm-hmm. happening when we're exercising it's a stressor on the body so just like we talked right. about our blood sugar might go up when we have these stressors but that's normal that's to be mm-hmm. expected same thing if we go in a sauna our blood sugar might go up but these are beneficial stressors so that's where you need to look at okay am i overtraining because am i feeling depleted Um, you know, that's when it might be too much of a stressor. So you need Mm -hmm. to think, can my body handle this? And maybe maybe walking is better if you feel depleted after a workout. And that also helps you to burn fat. So your body is okay. using its fat burning when you're walking, right. um, as opposed to like a high intensity, which is more aerobic okay. and then you're you're burning glucose. So um, there's lots of benefits to exercise in all different ways. So you really can't go wrong <laughs> by getting <Yeah>. it. In.
0: <laughs> okay, wonderful, thank you. And then the last question I have uh, is related again to fats. To, uh, I think that fats has been a word that a lot of people have been scared for for a long time. And I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about how um well you know uh, I think you you tried our chocolates right Uh, funky fat chocolates right yeah so um we're all about creating like high fat snacks and sometimes when people read high fat because our packaging says it they're like oh why would I want to eat that if it's high in fats so I was wondering if if you could tell us a little bit about how fats enter uh, and could possibly help uh, stabilize blood sugar
1: yeah so honestly Fat is your blood sugar's best friend. Fat stabilizes the blood sugar and is the other energy source. So sugar is one energy source we have as humans, and fat is the other one. So carbohydrates and sugars, they burn like kindling on the fire. They burn hot and fast. But fat is like a log on the fire. It burns low and slow, and we have this long-lasting energy. And so when we eat healthy fats, they – are so beneficial for our body. There are so many benefits to healthy fats. Fats make up every single cell membrane in the body. They protect our joints. They help us digest proteins better. They help to create hormones. So testosterone, estrogen, um, uh, cortisol, they're made out of fats. They also help to stabilize our blood sugar. So when we eat fats in a meal, it helps to slow the release of the sugar into our blood so we don't get as big of an insulin spike. We don't feel those symptoms. We feel much more stable. We feel fuller longer. We don't feel those cravings. And it's it's really powerful. And... Um, The other thing is that fat is delicious. It makes food taste good. And um, that's also really important. So one of the things that people will notice, they'll try to get healthy and they're like, well, I cut out the carbs. And so I had chicken breasts and broccoli like, but where's the fat? You're going to be so hungry if you just eat chicken breasts and broccoli. You know, that's not a complete meal. We need to have the fats, the hormones need it, um, and we need it for adequate blood sugar. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of misinformation out there. People are like, fat causes insulin resistance. Well, vegetable oils like canola, soybean, rapeseed, um, cottonseed, sunflower, those ones actually do cause insulin resistance because they, they inflame the, the insulin receptors. Mm-hmm. But other fats, they do not cause insulin resistance. I have eaten a very high fat diet, and so have many other people out there, my clients, people on the internet. We eat mm-hmm. high fat diets and our insulin reverses. So there was someone who said uh Dr. Ben Bickman, he's brilliant, uh very insulin resistance researcher, and he showed that um If you inject a cell with fat it becomes insulin resistant but that's only in a petri dish so that doesn't we're not petri dishes and they show that when you eat the fat it doesn't do that so it does not cause insulin resistance it helps to reverse insulin resistance because it allows us to run on this other fuel fat doesn't have any impact on insulin it's the only macronutrient that does not Mm -hmm. raise insulin at all and so we can eat fat And it doesn't cause an insulin spike. It allows the insulin to come down and then we can start burning fat for fuel. So when our insulin levels are very high, it blocks us from burning our stored body fat and using the fat that we have stored in our liver. So then we're dependent on eating carbohydrates all the time to get energy. So what we want are those insulin levels to come down so that we can be like, Oh, my meeting's running a little late. I'm late to lunch, but I'll just snack on, you know, on my body fat, and you'll feel fine. Your energy is stable. You feel yeah. great. Your mood is fine. You're not hangry. Um, so that those are just some of the many benefits of fat. And once mm-hmm. you embrace healthy fats that come from healthy animal sources, butter, ghee, um, coconut oil, avocados, nuts, seeds, eggs, um, you know, fatty fish. These are the healthiest foods that we have, and we want mm-hmm. to embrace those. And dark chocolate is one of those. Um, the steric yeah. acid in, um, in cacao butter is amazing. MCT oil, really great for you. So all of these healthy fats are so good and they're your blood sugar's best friend. So um, really recommend. <laughs> like dialing up that fat
0: yeah including more healthy fats definitely well thank you so much first of all thank you for the call um i'm very grateful that you were able oh, to yeah. join us second thank you so much for all the information that you share out there um if you can please uh, tell us again for people who join later or for people who are just watching now uh where can we find you a little bit about your podcast and uh, how can we find your um blood sugar mastery
1: yeah, sure. So um, I hang out a lot on Instagram. You could click on my profile, follow me. Um, I post a lot of helpful graphics that I love to make because I like to make this all visual because it's kind of hard to understand. So um, I also have a podcast called Unlock the Sugar Shackles. You can get that wherever you listen to podcasts. And my Blood Sugar Mastery program is my signature coaching program we just started a new round. So the next round is going to come out in September. So I'm going to have a wait list for that soon. So make sure you follow me over on Instagram and um, also sign up for my, uh, my newsletter. So you can get on the wait list for the next round of that. If you're struggling with blood sugar, if you want to sort of know, you know, what should I eat? What shouldn't I eat? Like, how should I reduce my carbs? How should I pair my meals? What do these blood sugar numbers mean? And also if you have trouble staying consistent because that's, Half the battle, right? Sugar is everywhere. It's not our fault. They design foods to be super, super addictive, and it's it's not our fault so that we can't get them out of our lives. So sometimes it helps to have those replacements, like the chocolate that you have, and um, you know other foods that are that are just sort of like a swap. But eventually, we want to work towards eating real foods, and this is really, really powerful um, for our whole healing, not just our blood sugar. So
0: yeah, that's my story. <laughs> wonderful. Thank you so much. We will leave all the information in the description in case anybody wants to check it out and check out your program. And again, thank you so much. And I hope you have a wonderful afternoon. Yeah, it was you great. meeting
1: You, you too. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye.